The mobile hunter is obsessed with exploring unfamiliar places, and this is what our gear is designed to do. At Latitude Outdoors, we build mobile hunting equipment for hunters who like to move often and move fast. Whether you're an experienced whitetail hunter or new to the game, if you want to be mobile, we have options that are worth considering. Our saddles, climbing sticks, and platforms are made right here in the USA and are available at LatitudeOutdoors.com. Thanks for checking out the gear and good luck this season. The climbing stick has finally gone metal free. Our goal for the Carbon SS climbing sticks was to make them as light as possible without sacrificing durability. And we wanted to make them stack flush so they're compact for saddle hunters and tree stand hunters. The new aerospace carbon fiber technology allowed us to achieve ultralight weight specs and removed all moving parts and hardware for improved durability. The sticks also feature our patent-pending metal-free attachment method that makes setup easier, faster, and quieter. The Carbon SS climbing sticks are made right here in the USA and come with a five-year manufacturer's warranty. For more information, visit LatitudeOutdoors.com. Welcome to the Life Outdoors podcast. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and motivate. We speak life into and through the outdoors. Now join your hosts, Nate Bailey and Kate Bailey, as we navigate through the mountains of this life. It was December 24th, 1993. I uh, was fulfilling a dream of mine. I joined the Coast Guard so I could get to Alaska. And I ended up in Kodiak, Alaska. And uh, on this day, we were filling some of our deer tags now in kodiak um you could you could shoot one deer on the road system which is a pretty small little system i mean actually it's a lot of room to go hunt but there weren't very many roads so i'd already fulfilled um one of my deer in the road system and then i think you could shoot two others or three others i couldn't remember exactly which off the road system and that season would go clear into uh, December 31st so uh, we were out there was a a guy that I was with uh, he was actually my boss at the Coast Guard and uh, he fed his family with all the stuff that he harvested whether it was salmon or deer or moose or caribou um, they never bought any meat and so I think he was uh, pretty interested in having me along because I had, uh, whatever, two or three more deer tags. And I can't remember exactly how many we had to fill. Um, but he had me along, and he fed me a lot and kept me at his house and took me out hunting and, and just kind of took care of me. So I made sure that uh, those tags would go to the cause, right, the food cause. And... Uh, so we decided that we were going to take off. We would be gone just on the 24th, and we, we wouldn't miss Christmas Day. He had kids at home, and we didn't want to miss opening presents and things like that. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Kodiak, Alaska, but uh, Kodiak, Alaska has a mind of its own. And it <laughs> it, it wasn't supposed to blow. Um, I mean, there was a storm coming in. You know, it is December. But the storm wasn't supposed to come in from the south. And, and you, so we were going to Uniac Bay, 
uh, I don't think that's how you say it, but um, it's just outside the road system. So you could go to the edge of the road system, cross the bay, and then you're out of the road system. And so you can start hunting those deer that are outside the road system. And uh, so we, we would go there and we had a 14 foot Zodiac with a 35 horse. Uh, I think it was an Everood on it or something like that. But uh, it was kind of uh concealed bay in there and it doesn't get i mean it could be blowing on the other side of the island 60 miles per hour and you still just get little rollers in the bay you know three footers or whatever little things stuff that you could get on and off the beach with and that's what you have to have if you're going to hunt um if you're going to hunt that kind of hunting um you have to be able to get on the beach because you cannot shoot out of a boat you, you just can't do it they they don't allow it so uh, you could use the boat just to transport you. And that's what we did. And I don't know if you guys have ever been around Alaska very much or, or heavy weather or heavy seas, but, um, those little 14 foot Zodiacs will take a ton. And I mean a ton of water. Um, I've had, I've been in one where the bottom of the boat was just full of water. Um, I mean, clear up to almost the gunnels and the thing's still going, we'd have to pull the plug out and try to get it on plane and, and, pull all the water out that's that's the reason we had those up in alaska they would do just about anything you asked of them they were tough little boats the only problem you had with them is, is if you only had one person um all the gear would tend to work its way to the back and then you'd be uh back heavy and you you going through the surf to land on the beaches it really was tough we turned one over actually and lost a bunch of guns up there but um guns and people had to swim into the shore and it was just not a fun time but um, they were real seaworthy if a guy knew what they were doing with them. So we decided we're going to go out. We, we had to get this done. I can't remember. I think we had to get underway or something like that pretty soon. So we had to get the meat in. We had to fill out the rest of those tags. That way we could um, fill our freezer. So we decided, well, we'll just go out the one day. We'll be back. He assured his wife, we'll be back, um, which meant nothing to her because she's like, yeah, okay, whatever. I know better this is Alaska. There are times when you don't come back when you say you're going to. And, uh, back then we didn't have cell service or anything like that. We, the only thing we did have was a two way radio, but it didn't reach back to her. So anyhow, we, uh, went across and it was, it wasn't bad. I mean, it was some mellow rollers in there, 10 footers, you know, that, and at the beaches, they didn't really break on the beaches the way that the, the rollers were coming in. Cause they, they had to come around the point to come in. So they were breaking pretty heavy over on the other points, but you could get in behind the Lee. It's, it's kind of got a, looks like a, a snake head or something in there. And you could get behind that snake head where, where it would curve around there and, shoot at the at the beach there you just time the waves and you get into you know a couple couple feet it wasn't it wasn't anything real bad so you just time that get in let that last wave push you on the beach and then pull jump out and pull the pull the raft up on the beach and uh it worked out pretty well so we did that we got to the beach there's there was two of uh two boats four people and uh, Randy was the guy's name that took me across. And I don't quite remember that. I just met him that day. And they were carpenters from out of Haines. And I, I don't quite remember exactly what their name was. But uh, they they were with us. And uh, they had a 14-foot Zodiac as well. And I don't, don't remember the horsepower rating. But 
we got in there and um, it was for the most part a pretty nice day. And we could sit at the beach and you could look. And if you looked up towards the head of the bay, there were some huge mountains that shot up out at the head of the bay. And up on top of those mountains, um, there was, you know, it's starting to get a lot of snow up there. And But it, it hadn't really pushed it all the way down yet. For some reason, we hadn't got into the big, big snows yet of the year up there that year. Um, there was There was a little bit of snow on the beaches and stuff, but it wasn't like, you know... What you, what you think of Alaska or what, what I've seen in Kodiak at times. And uh, then we sat on the beach there and we spotted off the beach. We just kept looking around and we found several deer. If you look at Kodiak, Alaska, it's got some real high peaks and then it's got rollers and then it's got these ridge lines that run up to the high peaks. And you get on top of the ridge lines and it kind of mellows out, the, the ground mellows. Down in the bottoms, those are all alders, really thick, brushy alder stuff. And then you try to climb out of those, you get up on the ridge lines, and you can look on both sides and you can look down in the alders. Or you can look, you know, up on the high, high ridges, which were like rocky, the, the mountain goat stuff. And, or doll sheep actually up there. The doll sheep is pretty much what we saw. Um, but anyhow, the deer were just running around the edges of that alder because they get in there for cover and then they come out and eat on those ridge lines. So we would, we were sitting there, the four of us looking at deer and looking at the different ridge lines. And these ridge lines are, I, I mean, as a young guy, they didn't seem that bad, but now that I look back on it, they're, they're not bad by any means, but they run forever and they're isolated and there's nothing. It's not like you could go on a ridge line and then get back to your car turn on the heater and warm up, you know, if you get cold up there. Um, most everything I hunted in was, um, most everything I hunted in was, was like hip boots. I think that was probably one of the saving graces of hunting Alaska was, especially in the snow, because, man, you're on the coast and that snow is just super wet. It's, it's never really that dry powdery stuff, maybe right at the first, but then it just gets nasty wet. So we always kind of hunted in our, in, in, you know, the extra tough high boots and, or the extra tough, uh, hip boots. And we were, we were, we were sitting down there, uh, glassing up there and picking out our ridges. Cause each one of us decided we're going to go on a different ridge. And, uh, so we decided that's what we're going to do. And, and, uh, I picked my ridge out. I saw a few deer on it and I wasn't really worried about getting any big bucks or anything i i killed a fairly nice uh sick of black tail off the road system and so i was just really out there to help randy get some some meat down and get his freezer full but we sat in we sat there and i picked my ridge and i decided well that's where i'm going and randy picked his ridge and he he kind of picked the ridge i was 23 at the time and they were probably close to their 40s so he was kind of looking out after me he knew i was pretty i was you know i by the time I was 23, I've done quite a bit in my life, and so he knew that, but at the same time, I was 23. So uh, he picked the ridge that was kind of adjacent to me, I think, so he could keep an eye on me, make sure that I didn't get off course or something like that. Um, and then the other two went off on their way. I'll never forget. It was uh, it was pretty pretty amazing country. And I start off on the ridge, and I'm down through the alders. And by this time, most of the bears were away. You know, they were in their dens or whatever. So I wasn't too worried about bears. Um, but 
the alder brush was just horrible. And uh, I'll never forget trying to get through it. And, and then, of course, the bears are always in the back of your mind because there, there could be bears out. There, there, there really could be bears out. So that was always in the back of my mind. And I, I don't know. It's one of those things where you, you pick through the alder brush. You can't see very far in front of you. Bears are on your mind. Rabbits are going out making all sorts of noise. And uh, you're just trying to get up to the ridge. After what seemed like, oh, I can't, probably an hour, an hour and a half, I finally broke out of the alders and got up on top, got, started making my way up the ridge. And uh, there were ptarmigan everywhere. And some of them were white. Some of them were still brown. They were still changing. Um, I don't know if that's a normal thing, but I, I remember seeing, you know, kind of the color phase going on. And... Um, Got up on the ridge line and spotted my first deer. I went over there and um, I thought it gave me the slip because it, it jumped right back down in the alders. And I'm like, I'm not going back down there. I've seen plenty of deer up on the ridge line and there's a good trail up here. I'm just going to stick it out up here. But I got past and as I got past, that little sucker came out and came back, started coming back up the hill. And I think it was going up there to feed. There was a lot on some of these... Um, southern exposures there was there was less snow and some of the grass and stuff was coming out so they were eating on that and they were eating on the edges of those alders anyhow that deer came out and uh i mean it was not i i just had passed it and it wasn't probably 15 yards from me and i turned and i had a 338 wind mag and i turned and uh it was looking right at me and i bet you it, it, it was within 30 yards easily. And I put those crosshairs right between its eyes and shot it. And uh, it was a little doe, and it went down. I mean, it was a full-size doe. But, uh, and, and I say little, it was blacktail. I was used to mule deers. But it wasn't little. Those, those deer may be short and squatty, but they have, this deer sp specifically had like an inch and a half of fat on it. And most all the deer that I shot up there were like that. They most all had that big fat layer. Unless it was a buck that was, you know, rutting really hard. Um, they all pretty much had that fat layer. That's why I shot a lot of does, man. I mean, that meat surrounded by that fat was just amazing. So, anyhow, I had this deer down. Um, had to go back down through the alders. I cleaned it up right there. Kind of made a deer backpack that Randy used to do with those deer. He he cut the cut the legs and then run the back legs um, up and then he'd put the front legs through and then tie the the front legs um, you'd tie them up and you'd run them through the tendon that little tendon back there where you normally hang them and then you just kind of make a backpack out of them and you pack them back down the hill um, again you guys you know Kodiak Alaska people talk about brown bears and and uh how, how scary it can be and stuff like that. And here we are putting these bear, these deer on our back. And I was a little leery of it at first, but he's, he assured me it was no big deal. Um, and I trusted him because, I mean, we went salmon fishing a lot right around the bears. And he knew bears pretty well. Uh, we only had to shoot one of them when it, when it crossed the creek to to try to... It, it, it faked us a few times. They, so they do like a fake charge or a bluff charge. And it did that a couple times, and his rule was if it comes all the way across the creek and just doesn't stop in the middle, then it's probably going to create some problems down the road. So we only carried our 
our bear tags for that reason. Um, I really didn't want to hunt them. A lot of guys love to hunt those Kodiak bears. I was not into it. But um, anyhow, so I trusted him. Uh, he knew bear pretty well, so I trusted him. And I, I did that. It took me quite a little while to get that taken care of. But I was the first one back down to the beach that evening um, after, you know, it was all said and done. And those days are pretty darn short in December up in Alaska. They're, they're really darn short. So I was down there um, sitting at the rafts, and I, th I think I tried to, I've tried to round up some driftwood and start a fire there on the beach, but I couldn't, man, it was just so wet, and it was blowing, you know, like the storm was starting to come in a little bit harder. It was raining, but it's, it wasn't that rain. It was kind of a blow rain. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't like some of those sheets of rain that you used to get up there. It was kind of that blowing rain, and I'm sitting there, and I had my, my uh, Coast Guard immersion suit or Mustang suit on. And uh, so I was you know, I wasn't in bad shape or anything. But it was cold, and I didn't have anything to do. I was sitting there, and I, so I started looking up on the, um, all of the, the big peaks that were up above these ridges, these rolling ridges. And, man, there were sheep all over up there. And I had a, <laughs> I had a sheep tag in my pocket, and I thought to myself, Man, I go after those, but that's just way too much. And now, you know, I'm 50 years old, sitting here thinking to myself, I would give anything to be able to go back up to Alaska and go after sheep and and the moose and the caribou that I had. Just, I mean, you go in, buy your license, and you get these tags, right? And I was treated as a resident, being in the military. I didn't have my subsistence license yet, but Randy had his, and so that's how we did a lot of things. We were gill netting salmon all summer long to fill up his pantry, and then we, once we got his pantry filled up, then we'd start fishing for him with you know a rod and line. But um, it was just an amazing thing, and I took it all for granted as a young guy. I, I didn't realize how amazing it was to live a lifestyle like that. So we're sitting on the beach, or I'm sitting on the beach. I'm waiting for these guys to get back, and, I mean, it's starting to get dark. And uh, so the first first one of the carpenters was the first guy. Man, I cannot remember their name to save my life. Um, but he, start, he started coming back, and, and he, he was dragging a deer back, and it was a pretty nice little buck, and he drug. <laughs> you know, if you drag, drag bucks by their horns, then you're going with their um, – with their hair, you can't hardly drag them the other direction. I don't know if you guys have drug much mini deer or not, but you, it's hard to drag them against their hair. So if you shoot a buck um, and drag him with the with his horns, he's, you're going with the hair. And he was coming in, and he had one antler in his hand, and the other one, he still had a hold of the deer. It was still on the deer, but he was dragging it by that wand. He, the wand popped off. The deer were getting ready to lose their antlers, and by just dragging it, he popped off that wand antler. And uh, so his he kept switching between arms, you know, and by the time he got back, and he's like, Suh, that was a drag. And he showed me where he shot it, and it was a long ways up there, um, more than what we were thinking, We, you know, we were going to have to deal with. But um, so anyhow, he, he said his deer by mine, and he said, you shot a doe? And I said, heck yeah, I shot a doe. That's, that's kind of what we're up here for, right? And he said, well... You know, at least try to shoot some small bucks or something. But 
try to leave some of those does for breeding. Um, a lot of them were already bred too, so you know he he was just trying to trying to tell me you know I should be shooting the bucks. But so it about another hour was go, gone by. It was really pretty dark by then. Randy shows up and the other carpenters show up and we're all sitting around there, and we all have a lot of gear. And I'm like, um, hey guys, aren't we going back across? And it blew, it started blowing in there, and the waves were probably 15 foot tall, and they're breaking on the beach at a, at least 10 foot. And Randy's like, we're not going back across. There's no way. I said, but you're gonna miss Christmas morning. And he's like, uh, that's the way it is, man. And I and he says, well, uh, where's your bag? And I said, bag. And he looks at me and goes what did you have in your bag? And, and I said, well, I, I didn't bring like any food or anything. He said, you didn't bring any food. And I said, no, I said, I thought we were going back across. He says, you never, ever, ever, ever assume that you're going to make it back across. And this ain't Oregon. That's what he said. I, I remember to this day, this isn't Oregon. You, you got to have food with you enough food to get you by for a while because the weather could come in and you're going to be stuck there for a while. And I, and he says, well, you did, you brought your sleeping bag, didn't you? And I said, no, I didn't bring a sleeping bag. And he says, he just looked at me and he kind of was disappointed in himself too, because he's kind of my mentor up there, but he, he figured that I would know this stuff. And, uh, so I didn't have a sleeping bag. I didn't have, uh, all I had pretty much was what I was hunting in and in my bag, I had, you know, like a rain jacket and some other stuff in there, but it wasn't wasn't anything to keep me really warm so all of them were kind of disgusted with me <laughs> i'll never forget uh, you know they're all in their 40s all of them the two guys from haynes have lived up there their whole life randy had been in there lived in kodiak itself uh for 20 years and they all were like oh man we got this new guy with us and this is not cool so I said, I'll be all right, you guys. It's not a big deal. Um, where are we going to sleep? And they said, uh, we're gonna, we'll just flip over the rafts and we'll sleep under the rafts. So they started pulling the engines off and start, and, you know, of course, nobody was really ready to go to bed yet. And Randy had some antifreeze with him, some Jack Daniels antifreeze. So we sipped on that for a little bit and, and then, uh, decided you know we should build a fire and warm up before we flip and get underneath those rafts because you get nice and warm and then you get under the raft and you'll keep some of that heat in and uh so we started trying to build a fire on the beach and it was just not working out man i mean it was just plain not working out and so we we were doing that we were uh i mean it took us an hour probably trying to trying to build this fire finally randy had some paper plates in his bag and he took them out and uh, put it on the fire and started it up, put on the wood that we had gathered there that we thought was going to be a fire. And it caught on fire and blew off into the tulies that were right next to the beach. The whole beach had probably, oh, 120 acres or so of tulies there before it started getting into the alders. It's where a little creek came out. And uh, that blew into those tulies and started the tulies on fire. And we're like, Oh, well, that'll work. So <laughs> for for about an hour and a half, two hours, we followed that fire all around in those tulies and it just kept moving all over in the tulies. Finally ended up burning that whole section of tulies out. But we got nice and warm and uh, and 
the guys divvied up some of their clothing. I got a hat off of one of them. I got some Mickey Mouse boots off the other and and a pair of mittens off the other. And and then I, I don't remember what all, like a wool shirt to put underneath from another. And, and then they had their sleeping bags, of course, because they knew better. And so we flipped the rafts over. <clears throat> and I don't know if I've ever slept so well in my life. I slept really good. And uh, next morning... I we flip them back over and I'm, I'm asking everybody well how'd you guys sleep how'd you sleep and they said I didn't sleep I I couldn't sleep at all and and, and I said well what's wrong with you guys how come you couldn't sleep out here and I was asleep and they said yeah you're sleeping like a baby and uh they said well you're snoring so loud you kept us all awake and I was freezing my feet were cold because I didn't have my boots and my head was cold because I didn't have my hat <laughs> And so from that day on, um, every time I saw those guys or every time I was around, I never was able to uh, shake that story. And I learned a lot. There, There's these things that I learned a lot. And the reason I tell you this story, you guys, is because um, I think we've lost some of this in our society. I think we've lost this, this man um, uh, uh, camaraderie or kind of this um, journeyman type mentorship in our society and i know we've lost it in hunting i know that we um one of the things that i know for a fact is you know you listen to these guys talking about old guys and and uh, just a bunch of old comadres or whatever and you know the new crowds taking over and those old guys don't have much to share and this and that and the reason i i, I wanted to bring this up is because of that um there is a lot to be said about somebody who has a lot of experience out in the woods, outdoors. And we have lost that in the society. We, we've made it to where people's feelings get hurt real easy. Those guys made fun of me a lot because of the way that I um, wasn't prepared and those kind of things. And I'll tell you what, those lessons stuck with me. And not only did it do that, but it also gave me this sense of a thicker skin where not everybody was out to get against me. It was my own dumb move to not um, be prepared. It was it was really stupid on my part to not be prepared. I should have known better. And um, those are the kind of lessons that you learn by getting out and doing this stuff around guys that have done it before. And it does something to create inside of you a complete different um, I don't idea of what you can and can't do. Now, I'm not saying that you could do everything. That That's not what I'm implying here. But what I am saying is most people can do way more than what they think they can. Um, I'm still in the air guard. Every year we have to do our PT test. I'm 51 years old, and I'm still out running and out doing. And I'm not in good shape right now. I am in horrible shape. And that's kind of what brought this podcast on as, as I started thinking about this is, um, as we're doing our PT test, I'm watching these 20, 25, 26 year old people struggle to pass their PT test. And I'm 50 years old. That's not in good shape. And it's not because they're not in, in fi good physical shape. It's because they're mentally something, something mentally. Is, and I'm not saying everybody here, you guys, I'm just saying that there are people. And I think there's a trend of that happening. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with, um, probably broken families, not men in the house, uh, vi the advent of video games where guys can, you know, go find adventure 
um, in this figment of their imagination rather than living out adventure. Adventure costs a lot of things, you guys. you got to understand, adventure is going to cost you. It it's really sucks at times. It hurts at times. It really hurts. Um, sometimes it hurts so much you lose things over it. And I think we're losing that in this culture. In, in, in the American male culture, we don't allow them from the time that they get into kindergarten we don't allow males to be males. We're trying to groom them into being good men or, or nice men. Um, and don't get me wrong. You should be good. You should be nice. But the fact of the matter is, is that idea is something that makes them more feminine and makes them look a little bit different than what manhood should be. Um, this whole Will Smith thing has, has really upset me. One, he's, he should have been man enough to be able to take what Chris Rock said. And two, um, Chris Rock should understand that if he opens his mouth like that, he might get smacked over it. <laughs> now, the whole thing about that was is both parties in this situation, both of them, uh, were acting completely like boys. Now, there was a day when men stood up for women and really stood up for him. It wasn't some kind of act or wasn't some kind of show or it wasn't being directed by something other than the fact that it was wrong. And we in America have brainwashed people to the point where they think that there is nothing to stand up for. There's nothing to fight for. Um, in, in schools nowadays, if, if somebody gets in a fight, both parties were wrong. That's not true. That is not what is, is true. There is always... A problem there's always something that has to be done um, when evil abounds when evil or something wrong has been done it should be stopped and I'm not saying every time it's a fist fight what I am saying is it should be stopped and that is a, a position that we've been placed in and and I know this does not sit well in this world I know it doesn't but um, we need more of it and the way that we get back, that's why I'm so big. That's why here at the Life Outdoors, that's the biggest reason that we have actually started doing anything. Um, putting any kind of content out is because we want to advance this. We want to advance the idea that men were created to be good. And that requires something of them. If, if you're going to be a good man, it requires something of you. Sometimes it requires you to stand up and fight for something. Sometimes it requires you to shut up and allow it to happen. But it does require you something. And I think that we're losing that idea about manhood. And, you know, if you look at any commercial nowadays that has a family in it, it's always the man that's the stupid guy in the family, even stupider than the kids. And we need to stop that. We need to make that not look the way it is. And, and I'll tell you the reason is because uh, a good, strong, dangerous man is really dangerous to the evil that we see going on in the world. And the way we base that, of course, is off what Christ did. Of course, that's how we base manhood, true manhood. And uh, the, it's also a problem because Christ and, and the way that he is has been washed down through the pulpits of our churches for years. If you really read the Bible for who Christ is and what he's done, he's he is so absolutely 
dangerous and strong at the same time that uh, we take that for granted and and we make him out to be some kind of hippie who um, wouldn't stand up for anything and that is the exact opposite of who he is. So, with that said, that's the reason we brought this podcast on is I didn't want to toot my own horn. I wasn't I wasn't trying to do that. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to. Um, I know there's a lot of young guys. If you look at who listens to podcast, it's a lot of younger guys. The Life Outdoors wants to bring you guys and tell you that you can do this stuff. That just because you grew up in a school system that told you you can't you can't jump off of the jungle gym, you can't you know you can't stand up for what is good, you can't do all the things that you know something inside of you is pushing you to do. Um, I'm here to tell you you can. That's what you're created for. That's what you're here for. Now you gotta you gotta make sure that you're regulating that against good, but you can be dangerous. You can be adventurous. You can stand up for the right thing. And I know that you guys um, at this this age group, I know you guys have been beat up over this. Maybe you came from a single parent home. Maybe your mom. Um, needed you to be more like a female because it was easier to take care of while she was working because your dad wasn't there. Maybe you spent too much time in a school system that told you that you can't stand up for the right thing. Maybe you were even told that um, being strong was wrong. I'm telling you, those are all lies of the devil because a strong man is a dangerous man. And a dangerous man is what the devil doesn't want. Um, Because a dangerous man can take care of the evil that's going on in this world. So I say all that to uh, try to motivate you guys. Try to motivate people. Get out there. Do this stuff. Get a hold of a mentor. Um, Check out the Life Outdoors. We, we We give you guys a bunch of stuff to try to get you guys motivated to get out there and do this stuff. Um, follow, you know, your favorite channels on YouTube, look and see if they're genuine people out there trying to do genuine things. And, uh, the, the nice thing about this is you guys is you can become what you didn't think that you were. And every man, the biggest problem that every man has is wondering whether or not they're worth it, whether or not they're worthy of manhood and, you know, you see a lot of boys out there trying to prove themselves, but the fact of the matter is, is you're not, you don't have to prove anything. You are that. Just start living it. And that's what the Life Outdoors is all about. Hopefully this gets you guys motivated. Um, if you guys need help with anything, if you guys need help getting out, um, you know how to get a hold of me. I also have some free elk hunting courses to get you going. And I'm going to continue doing that because I think I've taken a lot of things for granted, like how to read a topo map. I I bet you there's a bunch of people listening to this right now that don't know how to read a topo map. And I take that stuff for granted. I've been doing it since I was a little kid. And so I take a lot of this stuff for granted. One of the things you could do also is ask questions. A true man will ask questions. If I would have asked questions about, hey, Randy, what should I take out there? Rather than just going, I've got this. Um, Randy would he would have told me exactly what I should have taken out and, and what I got chastised for what he made fun of me for was the fact that I thought I was more than I am 
And uh, what he told me is, man, you got to start listening and start paying attention to what we do. And so it's the, in those moments that uh, older men will help the younger men. So hopefully this uh, resonates with you. If you need help with anything, please ask below, ask in the questions, go to the Life Outdoors Facebook page, go to our, um, to our social media and ask us. I'm, I'm more than happy to tell you, um, more than happy to help you get going in this. It's, it's a big, big passionate project of mine to help men know who they are. All right. Until then, you guys keep living, okay? Thanks for listening to the Life Outdoors podcast. Join the Life Nation by spreading this podcast or by going over to our YouTube channel, giving us a subscribe, or even by following us on Instagram. All these things help spread the life. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Keep living. In wild country, rules were not created by man. In wild country... The challenge of what's outside brings you closer to what's inside. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, presented by Expedition Enterprises. It's going to get a little hairy. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.